Welcome to another episode of the Bobcast with you as always is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Uh, today is January 3rd, 2024. I haven't spoken to today's guest in 25 odd years, but his <laughs> uh, his presence and his thought has never been too far from me. Uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day. Actually, I was speaking with Brian Fife, whom today's guest knows really well. In fact, it was his mother who passed away about maybe two years ago, who invited us to the church on Germantown Pike, the Plymouth Meeting Church to participate not only in Christmas Eve mass, but then afterwards to start hanging out with the youth pastor for youth group, which took place on Wednesday nights. I recall several Easter egg hunts that were pioneered by today's <laughs> guests that were uh, stuck into the vernacular of the memory of Easter is today's guest standing at the podium in this auditorium room with a picture of Jesus behind him. And I believe he was holding a lamb and this is where uh, today's guest would tell everybody what we we're about to do with the Easter egg hunt and all the great things that I remember from my youth. But more importantly, he uh, introduced my friends and I at an early age to Jesus Christ. And it was a way that I'll never forget because it didn't feel like um, it felt like it was somebody that I like uh, I knew and I wanted to know and somebody who was a friend of mine. Sadly, I lost my faith, uh, you know, through the passage of my 20s and 30s, but I'm stoked to announce that I got baptized uh, last year and uh, I am a practitioner at Storehouse Church. Uh, I play in the band and all that is due, in fact, to the direct influence of today's guest, Mr. Paul J. Miller. Welcome back to the Bobcast, sir. How are you? Oh, great to see you, Bob. Great to hear your voice and uh, connect with you again. It's uh, it's it's really cool. I'm, I'm do you, well. Do you remember the Easter egg hunts? Of course you do, right? I, I remember the the egg hunts. I remember. Um, did you participate in some of the retreats we go up to the Poconos yeah. for? Yeah, Twin I Pines. Remember. Yeah, yeah, Twin Pines, and, and there was another place we used to help out in the kitchen with. Uh, I don't know if you joined oh, yeah. on those or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. I, I remember we went to that place, and we um, we went off into various different jobs. I was a waiter, and I was a waiter for a congregation out of Brooklyn at this place. I can't recall the name of it. Yeah. But, they invited me to their private prayer service after dinner and I was the only one that got invited in and the prayer service I never forget because it was like a mosh pit. People were dancing, having a good time uh, <laughs> and praising Jesus, which was just, it was different because, you know, I had, I'd grown up in the Catholic church where you were only, you know, told to stand at certain points and you really didn't get a chance to, you know, feel the Holy spirit. You know, I, I've always wondered, you know, cause I guess you're, you're close to like my age when I like knew you, what compelled you to help all those kids years ago and still help people today? Mm -hmm. Like what, what was the driving force in your faith that led you to be somebody that um, the community looked up to as a, a leader? That's probably from my own upbringing, um, going to uh, a small country church that I grew up in, but for a small church, they had, um, a lot of other people my age there were there was a lot of teens we had a uh looking back was it was a very thriving youth ministry and what was cool about that is they they kind of handed the leadership to the kids themselves 
Like, like we, we ran our own thing and we had, there was enough adult supervision to, you know, to, to keep us uh, accountable and safe, hopefully. <laughs> but um, that connection for me was really vital. I, I didn't have a lot of friends in high school back in the seventies. And um, my, my main social group was the church. And um, I wanted that for others. And, and I felt really drawn to, uh, to helping out people. Um, I, I went to, I worked at a summer camp that you mentioned at Twin Pines um, and, and for their summer camp ministry for many summers. And I just enjoyed connecting with, with, uh, with teens. Uh, you know, I'm getting into my twenties. I, I felt like, boy, there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot to, to pull them away from Christ. So I want to help to, help them to see that this connection, this relationship with Jesus is, um, isn't this stagnant thing where you think about church and, you know, sitting still in a pew, there's more to it than that. And, um, so I, I think that was my, my main motivation was to, uh, I wanted them to see, understand Jesus the way I did to have him as the center of my life and, and to see that there's other people that, um, that want that as well. It's funny you say um, at the time you were compelled to um, introduce Jesus to people because of the um, current situation in the world. Kind of the same thing today, right, Paul? I mean, like, <laughs> it's never really changed. Um, it's the one thing that is constant in our history is war, um, which is really upsetting because it's like there's so many um, people who will, you know, like um, – I found that once I got baptized, you know, again, you know, I was baptized as a baby in the Catholic church, but once I got baptized at storehouse, like immediately that day, I started to have my faith tested, like right off the bat by people who are on the fence with Jesus. And I know like what I tell people, but I'm curious to hear from my, my youth pastor, why, like most people I find that they lose their faith or they become um, an atheist because of something that had happened to them done by another human. You know, like, or like I was just speaking with somebody on New Year's Eve about, you know, like they were like, your faith seems really strong, Bob. And like, I was like, what about yours? And like, I'm an atheist. I was like, you care if I ask why? And they're like, don't worry, you're not going to convert. I was like, I don't want to convert you. I just simply want to know what's going on, you know? And that's different because I think a lot of people want to uh, push their opinion on people. And I said, I got to know her and she told me she had gotten smacked a bunch by nuns, you know? And I'm like, this is a human thing that had happened. Do you find that? in your practice too, as well, that a lot of people who are on the fence of faith have had a human experience to turn them away from their spiritual life. Yeah, that that's, that's, that's absolutely a big barrier for, for a lot of people. The, the experiences they've had, uh, I, I, like you kind of alluded to at the hands of others. And then the, the blame for that gets cast upon God. Now I don't, I'm not critical of that. And, and I haven't thankfully experienced some of the things that, that others have. Um, and so I, I'm always careful not to, to come off as, uh, as, as judgmental people, people have the right to feel what they feel. And, and I haven't walked that path, but what I hope to do is, to show them that God is, 
and, and he is most importantly revealed in the person of Jesus. And that person uh, cares about us and our situations and our pains and our, our even, even abuses that have happened to us. It, it's that, that God, God matters. And if he doesn't matter in those things, then he doesn't matter at all. And, and so what, what I've been trying to convey to people is that the, the love of God expressed in Jesus cuts through even our deepest pain if we have the courage to see him there and, and to, um, to let him in, I guess you could say. I think that's I, the hardest I, thing. Yeah, and, and, and ex exactly, and and I've 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 taught this. I preached it multiple times. The we have to have the courage to to see God in our worst moments. Yes, yeah, without doubt, and and I think that that is a major struggle for people. A lot of times, people will say something like, "You know, how could God do this?" And it's like. I had just listened to a podcast the other day. Like, imagine God, the all-powerful, loving individual, you know, who was good, setting out on that first day in Genesis to be like, all right, here we go. I'm going to put this plan out there. But like, yeah. you know, like as an artist, create something, right? Like, it's you want it to be um, a reflection of yourself, right? You want it to be this new piece that comes from the things that you love. And a lot of times... It, you can get close to perfection, you know? And I feel like um, it, it, like we have free will, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like um, God set out like to do like his best, but like it's really hard to create something perfect. You know what I mean? Like I don't even know one thing in the world that could be considered perfect, you know? But I think that that is in itself an element that most people have like spiritual amnesia. They don't realize that they came from God and like they're, so tethered down in this world right now where like they feel like oh, i'm only here for 70 80 years i gotta buy everything i gotta live in a physical world and not practice any spiritual faith so it's it's um i i feel like i was spiritually bankrupt a few years ago like i just wasn't living for christ at all like it, i wasn't even really i mean i was looking at different religions of the world and stuff like that trying to find some sort of truth but like the ultimate truth really is coming back full circle to Jesus Christ, you know, and um, that part where you said just like, you know, um, you got to be vulnerable and allow yourself in. There's this other part that I really like that it's hard for people to grasp, but it's like, Jesus, you only need just a little bit of faith, like a faith the size of, we use his words, a mustard seed, right? And that yeah, can be yeah. your way in. I, yeah. I feel like that's like uh, so uh, contradictive to um, most things in today's world where you got to put a lot out to get in, you know? Mm -hmm. And my pastor recently just said, Jesus was the only, is the only wounded healer, you know? And mm. for those like who are, you know, trying to make sense of it, like what other greater thing is there to die for your friends? You know, I mean that, and I always struggled with why didn't he write anything? But then as I start reading the scripture and stuff like that, again, I was like, oh, he did write it, but he wrote it in others. And like, what a selfless act to like, put the knowledge in other people, you know? So I think that that's what, you know, you did for us back in the day, you know, like it was instilled in me 
and kind of incubated for like 20 years, you know, before <laughs> I came back around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that, that phrase you, you mentioned your pastor used the, the wounded healer. Um, the, you know, that, that comes from Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus that we often hear, um, at Easter time going into the passion of the Christ, you know, by his wounds, we are healed. And we in turn can help to heal others when, when they recognize that we as followers of Jesus, you know, hopefully don't, don't come across as having it all together and, and kind of arrogant and, you know, standoffish. No, it's quite the opposite. You know, we are, our wounds, our pain. And, and we, we mentioned a moment ago, the things done to us at the hands of others, that wasn't really my obstacle. And as I said, I, I fully respect those who were there. My thing was more what I've done to myself, my, the, the guilt of my own stupid decisions. And, and then recognizing that the love of God didn't cease because of my choices and, and to, to fully embrace God inside of my failures was my biggest challenge. And I think that's also a big challenge for people. It, it, it is to, to overcome the shame and, and, and the guilt that, that we often place upon ourselves, you know, God can't possibly love me because I don't, I don't feel very good about me. Hmm. And, and so it is, it is a courageous thing to, to believe in God inside of my own bad moments and to believe that he didn't stop loving me because of my choices. And, and that's, that's freedom. Uh, that's grace. Um, it's interesting you say that because when I first start getting back into the church, like somebody, I remember like somebody posed a question, like, what is the definition of grace for you? And, um, I mean, I had an idea of what I thought it was, but, you know, I think it would help people to look up the definition, you know, of like what that actually means because we are so hard on ourselves and like in a world now for young yeah. people where they're constantly comparing themselves online to, you know, others. And I mean, the one thing that shifted in the paradigm of society is that like when we were your youth students, like we wanted to go out and become, you know, uh, rock stars, movie stars or 80s. Yeah. The 80s icons of, of like yeah. that are now like not really something that people want to participate in. In fact, they just want to be themselves and film themselves all day long. And um, that's changed. You know what I mean? Goals have changed in a way. And the, the influx of information is, I mean, if there's anything that you want to look up about the Bible now, I mean, the, the Holy Bible app, like you can go through it and find something just pinpointing to what your interest levels are. So to me, it just seems like now more than ever would be a good time for people to turn to Christ for the person out there who's listening, who's just kind of on the fence and doesn't, you know, kind of feels like they want to join the club, but they're not sure where to get the membership. What would you say to that person? Mm, that's a good question. Um, Jesus came to us and these are, these are John's words 
in the first, the first chapter of John, which is a very powerful and deep chapter. He said, he came to us full of grace and truth. And when I, when I look at that, I think about, well, if, if we, if we believe that, that God sent his son, Jesus, in what way, in what manner did he send him to us? He didn't come filled with, with, with judgment and, and, and demands. He didn't come to us filled, filled with, with fear. He came to us with grace and truth. And when, when you keep those things in balance, then you understand what, what grace is. And I think it's important even that grace is the first of those two words. Grace being, I see who you are fully. I know who you are even better than you know yourself. And I still love you. Think about your wife. Your wife knows you probably better than anyone, right? And yet that doesn't stop her from loving you. She doesn't see your mistakes and failures and say, well, that, you know, that, that's it, Bob, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> it's <laughs> maybe some nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. And, you know, same with me. And, and, and you remember Linda and, you know, yeah. we've been married, you know, 36 years. And, and so when we are vulnerable enough to allow people to love us deeply, knowing all the failures, knowing all the stupid stuff, but still somehow, yeah, there's something in you that, that I value that is special, that is beautiful, that is wonderful. And we share in that and we, we extend grace to each other. Where did that come from? It came from the heart of God. And, and there's so much that mm -hmm. God teaches us about himself through people, through our human relationships. So I, I learned in part how to love because of Linda and her love and acceptance for me. And then I became a dad. And I know you're a dad too. And then there's a whole new layer of love that I had to learn, and, and which was a wonderful thing, but, but also really scary that there's this, this human being that came into the world that is, is so utterly dependent upon me and upon my wife and, and to, to show them the way, yep. knowing that I don't have it all down perfectly, but you know, I'm going to give it my best shot here because I love you. And because I know that you're not going to be a perfect person and I don't expect that of you. And when we learn how, how to be human, how to love better, how to love deeper, let's give God the the credit for doing the same thing toward us he yeah. he he loves us right where we're at and 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 we learn that again through 
through marriage, through parenthood, through, through friendship. We, we let ourselves be loved by other people, broken as they are, broken as I am. And then, but we keep going, we keep loving. And, and that's the depth of grace is that it cuts through all the bull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I love the, I love the passage in Hebrews where it talks about the, the word of God being this double-edged sword that, that, that cuts deeply and, and, and in, in a good way, like, like a surgeon, like, like we need to be, to be exposed deeply and then to realize that there's no fear there. There's only love because perfect love as as again, John writes about in, in the letter of first John love drives out fear because there is no fear in love. And that's the kind of love that I'm still understanding that I'm still seeking that I'm still hopefully conveying to others and, and, and preaching and teaching about, but more so and more importantly, that I'm hopefully living that out, that I can show people that the, the love that I know is from God expressed through Jesus Christ is not a fear-based love. I don't love him because I'm afraid of him. I don't love him because I don't want to get kicked into hell. I love him because he first <laughs> loved me which is, you know, very scriptural, of course, and very true. And when I learned to trust God at that level, to let him love me for who I am, mm. then I am set free to, sh to, to show other people that level of love, to accept them for who they are and love them. There's and, this and quote that uh, uh, I can't remember what book it's from, but it's, um, I'm right, messed it up. I don't have an assistant like Joe Rogan, but um, <laughs> fear, it's, I think it was fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yes. That was different for me to anticipate because it's like, you know, you would never expect to start to really learn stuff. See, like the, that word fear is different though. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I used to think the fear, but it's like the fear of God, you know what I mean? Like it could be interpreted in different ways, but I, to me, I felt like it was like the, um, for me to surrender was the beginning of knowledge in a way to allow God to like wash all over me, you know? And um, I mean, I do find um, a lot of times, like um, I like talking to strangers. My wife says that's kind of scary, but I go hiking a lot and <laughs> I take two microphones with me. And sometimes I'll meet a stranger out there. And when I meet a stranger, I'll get to know them for an hour or so where they're on the podcast. But like the whole time, like they're all out there for the same type reason. You know what I mean? They're all searching for something. And eventually like once you know, like the podcast ends, you know, I'll say to them, like, you know, do you have faith? And some do, some don't, but I'll always say to them at the end that I'll pray for them, you know? And I think I really got into that during COVID when I couldn't stay home. I was just um, door dashing, like nonstop, trying to make money for the house and stuff like that. And I learned a lot during that time being out with the public who were, scared to death, but like also, you know, some did have no choice. They had to go to work, you know, and I got to know so many people that I never saw their 
teeth or lips or anything like that, but I could see <laughs> the plight of like humanity in their eyes. So I was mm. very thankful. I was just saying to myself last night, I was like, I'm very thankful for, for that time period because it was a great reawakening for some, you know? Like really, what is the value like behind your life? Is it really how much money is in your bank account? Is it, you know, when you're going to retire? Like I got this job right now where everyone's like, you should stick with it, Bob. You got a pension coming. It's free money. And I'm like, yeah, but does it like spiritually fulfill me? I'm like, no, really, mm. you know, like, so I've been praying to God to draw me up a new past. You know what I mean? Like, <sighs> I want to do something that feels like, I mean, I play in the church band now. Like I play bass guitar in the band and that really was just something special because it was like, I'd spent so much time touring with the band. Drew Reed and I started this band downtown harvest in 2000. And then it went for about like 13, 14 years. We got real close, but a lot of my motivation was built in being successful for the sake of being successful, not for the sake of sharing music with others, you know? And I felt like a failure when it all ended when I was 34. And then just like a year ago, like this guy, Steve, in the church band was like, yeah, I heard you play. You used to be in a band. You want to play? And I didn't play for four years. I just didn't want to do it no more. And all of a sudden I got up in the band and like, it felt like, oh, like all that downtown harvest work, all that 14 years was practiced for this. <laughs> it felt really good like to have that realization, you know, because yeah. When you're in a band, you sell yourself, you know, like constantly selling yourself, putting out advertisements. And now, like, I don't even have to, I don't do that at all. Like, I just, I'm playing for like God and the people who are behind the congregation. And it's like, everybody knows the, the lyrics, you know what I mean? And uh, it's been super fulfilling for me, you know? And um, I do struggle um, with one aspect that I'd like to ask you about. And um, Pastor Tasha Storehouse really talks a lot about like how, you know, um, work begins in the workplace, you know, talking to people about God and Jesus and stuff like that. And I've been kind of striking out because <laughs> I'm too, I guess I'm too intense with it. You know, I don't, I, I, what would be the, like for somebody who's like myself, who does want to talk about the word of God and Jesus, how do you introduce that to somebody in the workplace? I'd say, first of all, be Christ before you talk Christ. Mm. Um, we can we can bring glory to God by by everything everything that we do, and, and not in a in a, in an overly intense and overly intentional kind of way, but simply I can bring glory to God by the way in which I interact with the person at Wawa who's, you know, I'm, I'm going to the counter to, you know, buy my coffee from and w which, which is, which literally happened there. One of my, um, my routines on, on Sunday morning as a pastor, I, I, I get up really early and then I go to the office uh, before church and, and I, I'm refining my sermon and practicing a few times. So anyway, I'm up really early. So it's like, five five thirty in the morning and i'm sitting by wawa now on a weekday on a weekend there's nobody there and so every sunday i go and get my coffee and maybe a sandwich and there's the same lady who was there and i say hello uh, how are you today and yeah fine and and then you know she she kind of got the sense that i was a pastor 
or at least a religious person, you know? And, and so after a few weeks of this, she's, you know, she asked me and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. Uh, but more important than that, I'm, I'm just a follower of Jesus, but you know, is God important to you? And how can I pray for you? And it turns out her husband was really sick. And so I said, you know what, we're going to pray for your husband at church today. You, you have a really blessed day here as you're, you're, um, you know, doing your job here at Wawa. And so we had this little, these little 30 second conversations spread out over weeks and weeks. And eventually this woman and her husband came to church because I told wow. her about it, you know, and eventually she left that job. But, and so uh, just, just saying hello to someone and being genuine, just saying, how are you? Like your, your DoorDash experiences, you're just <clears throat> There, you, you see something in their eyes and, and they see something in your eyes. And hopefully there's in our eyes is a person that we can trust, a person that is, is humble, which is a quality that is really important and uh, undervalued humility. Yeah. Humility is so hard for people to grasp. And like, why I got you know, I, I find that humility is like a great doorway in for people and people take mm -hmm. such um, steps to protect that part of themselves. They don't want people to really see the true them, you know? And it's like, I ask people sometimes a lot of work, like, how are you today? And like, they're like, I'm all right. And I'm like, you want to tell me the truth? You know? And uh, I do feel like I would have been a good therapist, but like uh, in those moments, like, um, you know, it's I, a lot of times people, especially ones who are parents, they get so caught up in the responsibilities of being a parent that they forget that they themselves are children of God themselves, you know, like they forget, you know, and it's hard. The stresses of the, of the world really can um, draw people away. I feel, you know, uh, I work at a, a public school where, you know, um, there's, there's groups that pray in the morning and stuff like that, but it's still like something that's not, you know, part of the curriculum, you know what I mean? But like, obviously mm -hmm. it's very strange too, to me that, you know, in a place where you can't, you know, uh, we start off with, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America under, I, I pledge, you know what I'm saying? Like un indivisible under God. Under God. Yeah. Yeah. God. So what part of that are we not remembering here in, you know, mm. an educational setting, but it's like, you know, and also too, like we have that, mention under God, but then we also have like within our political institutions, the separation of church and state. I think that was a mistake now that I think about it. I used to think that maybe we should allow, but I feel like it should be part of like people's lives. You know, uh, somebody said to me recently, like, I really don't know how to get into church because I feel like I've been away for too long. And I'm like, well, sir, that means like if there's a show you've heard about that's in its fifth season, you're just never going to watch it. You don't have the ability to go back and relearn what happens and then just pick up, you know, the next Sunday. I, I've been inviting lots of people to church and they don't come on Sunday, but some do, you know, some don't. And I pray for the ones that don't come, you know? Um, what, so like you said that you're like, can you tell me like what happened? We got like seven minutes left. Once you left, yep. Plymouth, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, in, 19, in 1996, I, um, took on a, a position as a, uh, kind of an associate pastor at a church up here in the Poconos. Uh, that's what I left to do. And then um, that position, it was in a Presbyterian church. 
Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of years into that, uh, things kind of blew up in the church because the pastor made a huge mistake in his own personal life and had to leave. And that kind of, it, it hurt the church deeply and people um, were leaving the church because of it. You know, the pastor's a hypocrite, this kind of stuff. And, and I kind of got swept into that. Not that I did anything, but it was just because people were leaving, the money started to, to dry up in the church and they couldn't afford this, the luxury of the second pastor, you know, kind of associate pastor position. So um, they were fair to me, but they said, hey, Paul, we, we, gotta, we have to cut you. And uh, but they, they gave me six months. And I looked for something and something else in another church or whatever, and nothing was opening. And real to cut it short, we decided that as my wife and I, you know what, this area is growing. There's there's need of more churches here, so let's start our own. And um, so in in 1999, we prayed about it and said, you know what, we're going to start a church. Wow. And um, it took a while, so I had to get out there in the real world, as they say. And so the only marketable skill I had beyond being a youth pastor and a pastor was, uh, you remember, I don't know if you remember this, I drove school bus part-time. One oh, of yeah, I remember. I would drive by it all the time, and I still think about you. The name of the place yeah. was? Uh, Segs. He, he would drive. <laughs> yeah, he had mostly Catholic schools. He'd pick up these Catholic kids and take them to these private yeah. Catholic schools, and that's what I did. So anyway, I had a, a commercial driver's license. Mm-hmm. So, which was also good for trucks, smaller trucks. So I ended up driving for Coca-Cola to deliver to their stores and mom and pop shops. And uh, that was a hard job. And it was good for me because it learned me, it, excuse me, it, it taught me what it was like to live in the quote real world out there beyond the church. And, um, but during that time, we, laid the groundwork to start a new church, which opened in 2001, a couple of weeks before 9-11. Wow. And um, which up here in the Poconos was very, that much more traumatic because of the connection a lot of this community has with New York. Yep. A lot of the, the growth this area has, has, has seen has come from people who've, uh, who've moved out of the city and out of, you know, metropolitan New York and, you know, New Jersey and into the Poconos and nine 11 happened. And so there was, it, it kind of, it, it brought people into the church for a while. And um, so we met in an in elementary school for a number of years. Then we met in the local fire company, which I was a part of, and I still am. I'm the chaplain in, in a volunteer fire company. Wow. Um, helps me stay again, connected to the community. So we've been doing that for, um, what's the name of the church? Bushville community church. Uh, okay. So the next time I come to the Poconos, I'll come to your church. Yeah. If you can find Bushkill falls, you can find our church. I know where it is. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. We are funny part is I was just not last year. I was there with my family. So this time we always go up once a year. So I will definitely attend. Yeah. Yeah. We are, um, when you go into the entrance of Bushco Falls, we're, we're just up the road a little bit further on the right-hand side. You can't miss us. That's awesome, and, dude. Uh, well, yeah, we're, we're a small um, church. That's okay. We, you know what I mean? Small churches can build big futures. We In 2019, we bought a, an old bar that was closed and turned it into a church. That's awesome. 
yeah spirits so. literally yeah <laughs> um, so. before um before we go i just want to say um I'm so happy that we got to do this because I feel like this is full circle. So I would like to invite you back over the course of the next couple of months. We'll complete a trilogy of sorts. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, I usually end the show, but today I would like for you to uh, end the show with um, some prayer. That's okay. Oh, yes, absolutely. Lord God, I thank you for Bob. I thank you for his heart. I thank you for the love he has for you and for his family and the good memories that we share in together of, uh, planting seeds year, years ago, and uh, bless him, bless his his family, bless his ministry that he's participating in there at, at, at Storehouse Church. I think I have that name right. Yes. And, um, and the band that he's a part of there that, that leads people into worship, uh, guide him each day. I also pray for the many friends. Maybe some of them are watching that that we made those years ago. That still those relationships linger. So we thank you for this time and uh, guide Bob and and his home, his family, his church. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. My name is Bob. This has been another episode of the Bobcast. See you next time.